Hi, this is Mary Wilson, and you're listening to Aldersgate on Air. Welcome back, friends, to Aldersgate on Air. I hope you're all staying safe during these challenging times, not just with COVID, but with the recent inclement weather that I'll just go ahead and dub Snowpocalypse 2021. But while times may indeed be challenging, there are still plenty of opportunities to make the world a better place and plenty of opportunities to celebrate the awesome people in the world who continue to challenge convention, who continue to break down the barriers, and who continue to fight the good fight to help ensure society keeps moving forward in a fashion that celebrates diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I'm glad you tuned in today because we have a very special guest who embodies those very qualities, who has blazed those trails, and who has generously agreed to share her time and experiences with us. Today's guest is the inspirational Mary Wilson, who not only serves on the board of directors at Aldersgate, but who also holds the distinction of being both the first woman and the first person of color to have headed up the board as chair. And while Mary's list of accomplishments and career highlights is impressive to say the least, she is remarkably humble while still managing to be entertaining, engaging, and thought-provoking. Hearing her speak of her varied experiences as an attorney, as a director of social services, and as a student of the seminary field, as well as some of the challenges she's faced and overcome, is truly awe-inspiring. And I have no doubt that she will continue to keep making epic contributions, not only to Aldersgate as a board member, but to the world in general. And of course, joining me today as co-host is everyone's favorite director of branding and community engagement, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Brooks Shelley, who we can all thank for helping to make today's epic conversation happen. Let's just say that Brooks has a certain way with words. It's like he's mastered the art of the Jedi mind trick or something. But enough of my rambling. Let's get this going. Hey, Mary. Hey, Brooks. Welcome to the show. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Mary, it's an honor to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be exciting because I know it's your first podcast experience. So we're going to we're going to make this super, super awesome. And of course, Brooks, we all know you from your many, many ventures here at Aldersgate on air. So always cool to have you on as well. Thank you, sir. Good to see you and talk to you. Oh, awesome. Well, so Mary, uh, there's some really cool things I've heard about you, and I would love to get kind of the firsthand perspective. So um, if you don't mind, before we get into all the meat and potatoes, let's get a little bit of background on you so we know kind of where you come from and who you are. So where is your family from originally? And uh, can you describe some of your life experiences growing up in the areas that you've lived? I would love to. I am originally from Windsor Locks, Connecticut, which is a small suburban town outside of um, Hartford. It is the location of Bradley International Airport. And uh, I grew up in Windsor Locks. It had um, three black families out of the entire town. And when I was in high school, my family um, had a fire in our house and that kind of pitched us into a different way of living. We went from living in a house to living in an apartment. And I started hanging out with the wrong kids as a result of that. And my parents shipped me off to boarding school. 
<laughs> we always heard those rumors, you know, when you're a kid, your parents are always threatening to yeah. send you to boarding school or a military school, but that actually happened to you. Well, that actually happened to me. And I went to boarding school in an even smaller town, Washington, Connecticut. And while I was there, my parents moved to Virginia. So they shipped me off to boarding school and then left the state. So <laughs> 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 that was a that was a bit of a shock, but it was a great experience for me. I got to see a different um, part of the world in terms of educational opportunities. It was actually an arts school, so I got to um, try my hand at photography and ballet and um, weaving. And actually, I wrote a play while I was uh, in boarding school. And I went to New York City a lot um, for different cultural events. And my headmaster. Um, started talking to me about college. And so I ended up going to the University of Virginia for my undergrad, um, met and married my husband, and then went off to law school at Wake Forest University um, and started practicing corporate law, which I did for maybe 20 years. Um, and then I went into county government, became the director of social services for Mecklenburg County, which is where Charlotte sits, um, then left uh, county government and went to seminary. And so I actually have a master's in Christian leadership and I am now in a doctorate program. So I've had lots of uh, different educational experiences and work experiences and uh, just really feel fortunate that I've had such a, a variety of things that I've been able to do in my life. That's pretty epic. Uh, I now realize how much of an underachiever I truly am. <laughs> so uh, thanks for putting that in perspective for me. Uh, that's that's pretty remarkable, though. You know, coming uh, coming from all of the the different ways that you've worked in yourself into kind of different environments and different career fields and different educational fields. That's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, I think, hard enough for a lot of people just to focus on one thing, and you've kind of managed to run the, the gamut, if you will. Um, what made you want to become an attorney? What was the driving force behind that? It's interesting. Um, two things. My um, dad was an entrepreneur and a general contractor and built um, homes and senior living facilities and apartment complexes, but he didn't think women should be in that business. And I don't know why. Um, I never got the opportunity to talk to him about that, but he was enamored of F. Lee Bailey. And I actually have never gone back and researched who he was, but I think he was a famous um, trial attorney. And I like to read. I, I was an avid reader. I would go with my mom to different places and pick up pamphlets and just read whatever I could get my hands on. And I've always been a talker. Um, I, I think it actually comes from my family. We all talk a lot. And so my dad thought, you know, th this is definitely the career path for you. But it wasn't until I was at the University of Virginia, um, I was actually working a part-time job at the law school, and I saw a Black female student walk out of the law school where that, that single incident made an impression on me, that I actually saw someone who looked like me who was going to law school, and it all came together. My dad's uh, encouragement, 
turned into something that I saw as a reality. And so going to law school was just um, just a, uh, a fait accompli at that point. You know, it was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to go to law school. Um, in between undergrad and law school, though, I got married and had two kids. And I loved um, family. I wanted to have a bunch of kids. And I told my husband, I'm going to have a baby every year. And so after the second baby, and they were like 16 months apart, apart he said, is there anything else you want to do? <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished here. Uh, what's next on the docket? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, I've always wanted to go to law school. And he goes, why don't you go ahead and apply? I think we can make that work. So with my husband's encouragement, I applied to law school um, and went to law school. My son was 18 months old and my daughter was three months old. And uh, neither one of us, my husband nor I, knew what we were getting ourselves into, but we just knew it was a path that opened up for us. And so we just ran with it. No. Oh. Awesome. So that was turned into a 20 plus year career, kind of give or take before you moved on. Now you'd mentioned it was a singular experience that kind of stuck with you that made you at some point decide that, hey, this might be something I want to get involved in. Now, I've heard that you kind of along the course of your career, maybe kind of broke some norms or you kind of maybe, I don't know, I like to use the word blaze some trails. Um, what kind of uh, obstacles and challenges did you kind of experience as you were going through that process? It's, it's interesting that you asked that question because I've actually um, had that conversation with a dear friend um, over the last probably six months. Um, when I graduated from law school, it was 1985. And um, going into the corporate world, I was a corporate attorney. Um, at that time, I was probably on the early wave of women going into a corporate environment and certainly going in in a senior capacity. Um, and, and so I wanted to be a corporate lawyer because I wanted to have time with my family. I didn't want to be on call, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sure. And I enjoyed being part of a team. And so I love being part of the, the corporation where you had marketing and sales and finance and legal and procurement. And you had all of those different departments and we all worked together for the good of the organization. However, every job I had, I was probably the first minority and the first woman. And so it was really a, a, an interesting challenge because I always walked in the door thinking, wow, I've had this great education. I'm a little older than um, most people because I went back to school after having my children and this is going to be great. I'm going to be part of a team. We're all going to work together. And it's just going to be wonderful. Unfortunately, what happened is that I would run into these barriers where people would have certain expectations of how a woman was supposed to behave or how a minority was supposed to behave. And I never fully understood that. And I think for uh, both women, but also particularly Black people, if you don't understand the unspoken culture, then you can often end up misreading the cues 
You just mm-hmm. don't understand what's going on. And so I am pretty outspoken. I'm pretty, um, I, I don't think I'm harsh, but I, I am outspoken and I am direct. And maybe that's being a Northerner. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where all that comes from. Maybe it's being the youngest, you know, in the, in the family and um, being able to say all those things and in, in what felt like a safe place. But I, I don't, I don't know. But in most of the environments that I went in, I often felt like I was being pushed back, that I needed to step back and wait um, and wait to be invited to speak or wait to be invited to participate. Um, I remember being in meetings and I'll say something, you know, I think we ought to do this or we ought to do this and there'd be no reaction. And then 15 minutes later, um, a white male at the table would say the same thing. And the response would be, that's a great idea. We need to run with that. And I think for me, it would just make me crazy. I, I, I would go home and talk to my husband and I'd say, what in the world is going on? Um, and my husband grew up in the South. And he's a little older than I am. And so he has a different orientation and a different understanding um, of the ways, perhaps, of Southerners and the ways of what I came to understand as how white people interact with Black people. And and so those were challenges that I um, really experienced throughout most of my career. Yeah. I assume at some point, uh, you know, it got to the point hopefully where you were able to work more cohesively with the team or did that ultimately lead you down to different paths? Well, I think that, um, I believe that I always worked well with the team, but I always wanted to advance in my career. Sure. And so my personal, um, decision was to move to another corporation that would give me another opportunity And so as a corporate legal counsel, my goal was always to be a general counsel. And so I kept moving for more experiences. And so I would manage um, the HR function at one company and couldn't move any further. So I'd go to another company and I would have um, international opportunities. So I did mergers and acquisitions on an international um, scale for many years, and then ultimately became a regional general counsel, and then ultimately um, ended up deciding that I wanted to move out of a corporate environment. And for me, it was a personal decision to move out of a corporate environment because being a a corporate attorney became very combative. Um, You're always on the... um, you're always on the quest for the next opportunity for your corporation. Sure. And oftentimes you're, you're just in a fight. You know, we want to do an acquisition. We want to do a merger. We want to, you know, we want to gain this ground. We want to make more money for the company. And, and that's not a bad thing, but it impacts your personality. I think at some point in time, um, and I can be, um, combative. I can be (laughs) aggressive, but that's not who I wanted to be. 
And so um, at one point, my company decided they were moving um, their headquarters out of Charlotte. And I took that opportunity to leave. And I actually went to work for my church as the executive director of their community development corporation. And so I have maintained my legal license all of these years, but um, I have stopped working as a corporate attorney and I've tried um, different platforms and different opportunities um, to exercise different parts of my brain, to give back to the community in a different way, um, and just to have a different experience. And that has been wonderful for me. I, I really have enjoyed all of those different experiences. And I think it has just enriched my life and my family's life in, in a big way. That's awesome. You know, I, I've worked in several environments where you be, uh, become what I call a product of the product. So I have no doubt that in some capacity working in the legal field kind of turned you into a product of the product. So clearly, though, you made an impact. You, you did some cool stuff. You moved on. I'd like to know, how did you end up coming to work with the folks at Aldersgate? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I have had some great board experiences over the years. And I've had some horrible board experiences. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had a friend of mine who's, who um, sadly has passed away um, ask me if I was interested in doing a board um, uh, assignment with Aldersgate. And I said, who's Aldersgate? I've never heard of them. I don't know what they do. And they told me about Aldersgate. And I said, oh, I think that would be interesting because I am interested in working with elders. And, and so I've done some pro bono legal work for elders who have been um, taken advantage of um, from scams and, you know, different things like that. I've helped them kind of unravel some of those problems and I've helped them get assistance for um, disabled children and uh, things like that. So I'm interested in working with the elders. Um, and, and so when I found out about Aldersgate, I said, okay, tell me a little bit about them. Um, who is the CEO? You know, what is that person like? Uh, what's the board makeup? Uh, what do they do? Do they operate as a professional board? And so when I did my homework, I found out who the CEO was at, at the time and still is, um, Suzanne Pugh. I found out who was on the board and there were several people that I knew. And I found out that they had a very broad mission to help elders, um, I, I'm paraphrasing, um, to help <laughs> elders live their best life. And, and I think that was just so impactful that I agreed to um, serve on the board and it has exceeded my expectation um, at every turn. Awesome. And uh, so you sent me a quick little correction uh, earlier, but uh, so I, I wanted to kind of call this out though. So, so not only were you the first female to sit at the chair of the board, you're also the first person of color to hold that distinction. Do I have that accurate? Yes, that that's accurate. And I, I am just so honored to have been able to serve in that capacity. 
were you aware at the time that 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 was kind of where you fell into that as far as the first? Was that something that you had uh, thought about at all when you took that position? Um, no, not actually. Um, <laughs> I actually was a little uh, intimidated about serving as chair at all because I am following two awesome chairs, uh, Tommy Lawing and William Springs. And they were so kind to me when I came on the board um, and really made me feel like I was able to make a contribution. And um, several different things happened during the, the course of my serving on the board. I actually moved to DC for a year. My husband uh, became ill with cancer and went through surgery. And uh, through all that time, they continued to reach out to me and encourage me um, and make provision uh, for me to participate. Um, even before COVID, uh, we were having meetings by Zoom or telephone. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it, it really made me feel like, wow, these, these folks really value my contribution. And so when I became um, vice chair, I didn't really think, think about that automatically turning into chair. Um, right. I, I, I never thought about the succession planning necessarily. I thought about, okay, how are we, how am I going to learn? You know, how am I going to learn and contribute? And so when I spoke to Suzanne about becoming chair, um, she actually mentioned that, you know, you're going to be the first woman and the first person of color. And I, I think I, I think I was a little bit stunned for a minute because this organization is over 70 years old, you know, and I said, surely not. (laughs) It's hard to believe that, you know, in, in, at that time, what was it? 2018, we were still having first. Um, But yes, we, we were still having first. And, and so I appreciate um, the fact that Aldersgate has broken yet another barrier, you know, within its organizational structure um, and I appreciate the fact that they allowed me to um, contribute in, in such a unique way. Um, and I guess, like our current vice president, I want to say I'm, I'm happy that I was the first. And I am very prayerful that I won't be the last. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, thinking about just, you know, 2018. And and I was even thinking back at the first part of our, our discussion here when you said, you know, back in 1985. And I was like, yeah, that's just really not so long ago. When you think about the, all of those barriers were still in place. And, I, you know, 85 is one thing. 2018 is another thing. So it just kind of calls calls into question, like, is this really at the forefront of enough people's minds to where it's, you know, going to not be a thing. So clearly in some capacities, we're still facing some of those barriers. What do you think are some of the, uh, some of the accomplishments that you've had there uh, on the Aldersgate chair uh, that you're, you're most proud of? Well, I, I don't know that um, I have any singular individual accomplishments. Um, One of the things that I am really grateful for and proud of is that our board is very collegial. Um, We work well together. We know each other as uh, real colleagues. And in many cases, I I would call um, the board members my friends, people that I feel like I can pick up the phone and call and ask a question. Um, and, and we have been um, 
and a, a board that is eager to move forward and improve the organization um, the, for the people that we serve, which are clearly all of the residents of Aldersgate. Um, we have embraced a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, initiative, which I, I think is just huge for a board to be intentional about learning more, engaging more, and involving ourselves in activity more. Um, we've really moved forward on our master site plan in, in order to transform the campus uh, right here at Shamrock. Uh, we've been successful in continuing the initiative of um, the Generations facility on Providence Road, which started under um, William Springs leadership and Tommy Lyons leadership. And, and I have been able to continue um, that initiative. Um, and we've looked at implementing um, a living wage among our staff. And I think that has been a huge initiative to really value the people who provide so much service to the elders that live here at Aldersgate and really give them um, a higher quality of life and, and even greater stability um, in, in their employment. And so there have been so many things that we have worked on um, and, and initiatives that we've looked at. Um, but again, none of them have been um, singularly my initiative. It's, it's been the, the cohesiveness and, and the, um, just, just the commitment of the board to, to show up and to do the work. And that, that's been really in incredible. And I, I've been so grateful to be a part of that. Yeah. And Mike, if I may. Uh, you may. Mary said, thank you. <laughs> something that Mary said about the board being willing to move forward. It is a, it's a very unique board. We made the intentional journey years ago under Suzanne's leadership to have a, a board that represents what we want to represent in all layers of our organization, from diversity and inclusion, equity, all the way through. It is a board that really does want to move forward, but it strikes me each time that we go through something like livable wage or our master site expansion, how everybody on the board comes at it from a different angle and wants to make sure that all bases are covered, that everyone is included, everybody's voice is at the table, and if their voice isn't at the table, is that our blind spot? Is that the spot that we're missing? And do we need to, to actually bring somebody in from that area? And, and while they, it, it's a quick moving group, it is a very thoughtful, intentional group. So it is not one of those, oh, got to move, let's do it real quick, and then go, oh, well, we didn't think about that. Um, my time with Mary has been fulfilling for me, never more so than when we did the March for Equity and Justice. And Mary, your speech that day to kick off our march, we did an internal march on campus for the residents at, at the residents and team members request, as well as an external march down in the neighborhood that we, we live in. And Mary was the, the kickoff speaker and the depth and the authenticity that you spoke from was just inspiring. Thank you so much. Um, 
I, I get emotional just thinking about uh, where we are in our country um, in terms of racial reconciliation. And um, it is just a blessing to me uh, to be able to participate at Aldersgate and have a, a venue where I can share um, my concern and my heart and I don't expect everybody to agree with me, but just the fact that people are willing to listen, um, to me, that makes such an impression. And uh, that has been um, just heartfelt, uh, a joy being at Aldersgate um, and being able to share that. Because having, having, that, having that venue and that platform and this opportunity um, I understand, you know, these are these are difficult subjects and difficult topics. And I don't under I, I don't expect everybody at Aldersgate to agree, but just the the fact that I can talk to a resident about, you know, where we're going and what we're doing as a board, and they can say to me, I don't want to do that. I don't I don't want to go there. I'm afraid. But to have enough relationship that we can have conversation about it. That means so much. And, and to me, that's how we change the world. And, and we're just doing our part. It, it may feel like a small part here at Aldersgate, but it has a ripple effect. And, and so, you know, we, we talk to each other. We talk to residents. Hopefully they're talking to their friends and family members. And so our small contribution has such a ripple effect. And, and I am just so delighted to be a part of it. I think that, you know, when we talk about you know, when I talk about Aldersgate and when I hear people talk about Aldersgate, there's always the kind of a word that gets thrown out, which is progress. Uh, I, I feel like Aldersgate really does make progress in the goals that it, it sets out to accomplish. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I, I think we make progress. Um, I, I think that we make progress in the right way and in the right time schedule. To Brooke's point, we don't always move fast by some people's standards, but I do think we move fast <laughs> for the size organization that we are. And we have conversation about all of it every step of the way. And, and so um, the master site plan is a great example of where we're going on this campus and how we are opening it up in some ways um, to provide housing for other elders who may not be able to afford the um, type of um, product that we sell at Aldersgate Shamrock, Maine, for lack of a better term. Um, but to be able to offer housing to elders um, who may be retired teachers or retired um, military or retired police officers or retired firefighters, um, to be able to offer a high quality of housing for that population on our campus, I think is a wonderful opportunity. That conversation has been going on for probably five years or more. And so it is not a fast conversation. And we are taking every comment and every feedback that we receive, and we are having further conversations about it. So if people are afraid, you know, that um, the housing is not going to look like 
uh, housing stock in the community. We have taken busloads of people throughout East Charlotte to look at the variety of housing stock that's in the area and to look at how do we make sure whatever we build blends in um, to address people's concerns about who are the people that may be moving into this housing. We've talked about, um, you know, even our, our CEO has said, my mom might be one of those people, you know, Um, (laughs) my husband is retired military. My husband and I might be one of those people. Um, So we've taken the time to really answer the questions. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a cheerleader. But I think what we have done is to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and that we are taking the time to answer the questions that are raised. And and so that that means we're still moving forward, but it's not at the speed of light, but we are still moving forward. And and I think that is a, a great um, testament to who we are as a board and an organization. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty epic. Uh, so all of that being said, then uh, obviously you hit on a couple of points. You know, have the conversations right. You know, bring it to the table. Be willing to kind of face the tough topics. What still needs to be done as a society? What steps do we need to take to kind of move everything forward in that sense? It's a big question. It is a big question. Uh, and it, it, it's it's interesting that you asked the question because um, it's actually one of the things that I'm trying to determine in the doctorate program that I'm working on. Um, I have the opportunity to ask the question, to ask a question in my doctorate program and do all of the research to answer that question, or at least tee it up for somebody else to take the question the next <laughs> distance. Um, and, and so one of one of my one of the things that I've really been thinking about is how do we advance racial reconciliation? And I think Aldersgate is a great example of how we can do that by having an intentionality around understanding diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we all have our own understanding of what is diversity and what is equity and you know what is inclusion but we don't have i think an opportunity all the time to really have conversation about it and so one of the things that i want to look at in in my my doctorate is how do we engage small groups of people in an intentional way to understand what is diversity what is equity and what is inclusion and there are different models out there. Um, one model is what Aldersgate has done, which is to bring that learning to the board in an intentional way every month. Uh, we are now doing it every week with engagement of um, reading opportunities or videos or um we have when we have our our board meetings we will have an intentional activity where we do something and and then we um debrief on that you know how did that make you feel what did you learn um and and i think 
we have to be intentional about doing that. And if boards are intentional about doing that, you might capture some people who might not otherwise be intentional about doing that. But we can also set up volunteer, voluntary um, opportunities for groups of people to come together. Um, and, and there is actually a group called Be the Bridge, where you might have a group of five white people and five black people who actually come together and uh, do a deep dive into what does it mean for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I'm kind of um, experiencing all of those um, during this, this period of study um, for my doctorate. And I am so grateful to have had um, some intentionality of experiencing it through Aldersgate. And I'd, I'd like to see Aldersgate continue with their training for the board. And I know they're doing training, even opportunities and exposure opportunities for residents um, and for staff. And I, I think that's what we've got to do because we don't learn it in school. Um, many of us go to um, our church of choice, which may be more people that look just like us. Um, and, and so we don't have social groups that we necessarily do it. And so I'm just hopeful that Aldersgate will continue to be that um, that instrument of change in our community and continue to invite people to participate in different ways um, to just learn more. This this is a this is a, a a study opportunity. It's a learning opportunity because so many of us have grown up with um, different ideas that we have inherited, and no one's ever told us that that idea may not be truthful or that idea may not be right. Um, and, and so Aldersgate to me is just a leader in so many ways to encourage those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I often refer to Aldersgate as a conduit and uh, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, your, your analogy as well as being, you know, kind of the instrument or the tool of that. It, it's all kind of ties in together. So Brooks, that was a, that was a whole bunch of here's how awesome Aldersgate is and why I love it. What, what's your response to that? You know, it, it's humbling. And I would say, I'd love to take all the credit for myself. <laughs> but, um, that is, that is just not the case. It is, it is chock full of people who are here for the right reason. And COVID has, if nothing else proved that, we have a phenomenal team here. And it also is reflective of our board and our residents. So I am just, I'm very fortunate to be where I am and uh, do what we can to help promote our elders and do a little bit of battling of ageism. Yeah. Well, I think you're both doing uh, fantastic work, and everybody over there at Allersgate clearly has a mission to change the world for the better. So, Mary, it's about time to wrap this up. What closing thoughts do you have? What do you want to leave us with today? Well, I think um, the thing that I would want to leave people with is uh, if you want to change the world, you just do it one step at a time. Um, one conversation at a time, um, read one book, you know, find out something you didn't know. Um, I actually did not grow up in the black church, surprisingly. Most people assume I did because I'm black and I attend the black church now. <laughs> but uh, right? last, yeah, last night I was watching um, a series on PBS about the black church. 
And, and so there's so much information out there about different cultures. You know, I don't know a, a, a lot about um, Asians, but I'm learning more about Asians. I don't know a lot about Indians, uh, Native Americans, or, you know, um, Muslims. There, there's a lot that I don't know, but I've got to be curious about things other than my life. And I've got to be able to see it from someone else's perspective. And I've got to challenge my own bias. Um, And so what I would encourage people is, you know, we're still on this earth for a reason. I believe in God. I believe that he has us here for a reason. Um, And we're still here. We're here to serve. I think we're here to love other people. Um, and, and we ought to be curious about people that are different than us. I think it just enriches our life so much. Um, and so I would just encourage people to be curious, learn something new about someone else. And um, when you hear their story, um, it may spark in you a desire to go the next step and try to find out what can I do to change Um some of the bad parts of what someone has experienced, you know, how can I contribute in that way? And I just think there are so many opportunities for that. Um, And I would just encourage people to do that. Yeah. Well said. Brooks, final thoughts from you. Again, I am just fortunate and thankful to be in a, in a position to affect change and be surrounded by people who make me even better. Well, there you go. Well, Mary, this has been an absolute honor and a blast having you on the show. And I almost don't believe you when you say that you've never done this before because you are, in fact, a pro. Um, so so this has just been an amazing experience. And I appreciate all the contributions you made. And I'm sure uh, with the project you're working on with your doctorate is going to be another epic addition to your legacy. So thank you for sharing all all of that with us. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly blessed to have been able to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for making me feel like, um, a superstar just because I've done a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is not just a podcast. This is Aldersgate on air. We are the podcast and we are of course working to change the world so thanks to all of you out there in podcast and radio land for tuning into today's episode don't forget you can check out the show on all those fancy streaming platforms like spotify iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and even amazon music crikey you can also shoot us an email with your questions and comments to on air at aldersgateccrc.com and check us out on the web at aldersgateuniversity.com. We appreciate all your support. Please make sure you help us spread the word about our show, and we'll talk to you soon at Aldersgate on Air. <laughs>